powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. The Carolina Hurricanes have been sensed. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everybody. Maude here once again for the penultimate game of the Senators' season. Uh, I don't know why I said penultimate. I feel like that's kind of a weird word. I don't know why that means uh, second last, but bittersweet here tonight as we get a big win over the Carolina Hurricanes. And even though we're not going to the playoffs, you know, maybe I shouldn't say bittersweet. It's still pretty sweet because we had the awesome moments from Claude Giroux tonight, getting his 999th, getting his 1000th, and his 1000th and first points in the NHL. Just absolutely awesome stuff. Uh, we were all rooting for him to get that down the stretch here this season, so really fun moment that it happened on home ice, and we got to see all, all the guys jumping on the ice to celebrate with him. Um, I will get into all that and more, but first going to thank our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal, just like tonight when Claude Giroux got his 1,000th point. With competitive odds, the best live in play, and more ways than ever to get into the game. Uh, like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win, by the minute. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen, or head to Sports Interaction dot com slash sdpn to get started 19 plus please play responsibly so yeah um i guess back back to close Giroux because that is the main story here tonight very clearly um just what an amazing season he's had for the sends like i i might have might have said this a few times on the show so far this year but i wasn't expecting him to be quite this good even though i was super excited to have him joining the team like i think what I really expected from him was like second line ice time and sort of like 60 points, 60 to 65 points for him. But he's just really blown that out of the water and been uh, just a key part of that line all season with Kachuk and Stutzla, just, which has just been like by far our best line <laughs> at, at certain points this season. It's felt like we've been a one line team just being carried by that line, but it's, uh, it's worth it to see Giroux get those uh, 1,000 points, get him to uh, pad his stats. Um, it worked out well in the end for this awesome moment here tonight. And uh, just seeing Stutzla race to go pick up the puck <laughs> instead of uh, joining the group hug right away and seeing Kachuk embracing Giroux on the bench afterward. Just absolutely awesome moments, just uh, heartwarming stuff here tonight for the Sens. And winning the final game on home ice uh, in front of the fans is very awesome too for fan appreciation night. I guess the previous game was also a fan appreciation night. I guess they did two, which is unusual, but normally the last game of the season is fan appreciation and the Sens, uh, Sens came through with, I guess, yeah, both of these games, two, two big wins for the fans. Um, I'm very glad that the Sens have been able to have a much better record on home ice this season because, oh boy, we all know how the last five years were. And when your team's overall record isn't that good, your home ice record probably won't be that good either. But sometimes it felt really rough. Um, like last season, I think I went to five, either five or six games last season. And the only win that I saw was the last game that I went to. I believe it was against Seattle. And so I almost went... Ofer last year in terms of uh, going to see the Sens in person. Um, 
and and I think even in that Seattle game, the Sens were up three nothing with like ten minutes left, and it ended up going to OT before before Josh Norris scored to win that one. But yeah, um, just I wanted to check now. Yeah, our record at home ice finishes at twenty five wins. Or actually, wait, no, this is already updated, so I don't need to add one. It's twenty four wins, fourteen losses, and three overtime losses, which is pretty damn good. That's comparable to the uh, the other wild card teams, of course. It's just that road record that really killed us. But I'm very glad that the Sens were much better on home ice this season and also very glad that they got to um, end things out in style with a victory here for the fans tonight on Fan Appreciation Night. I hope that everyone had an awesome time at the game tonight. Um, and I hope the the organization put on a great a great night in and around the arena for for everyone who was attending. Um, and the Sens put on a great show on the ice too. Um, Claude Giroux, like, I feel like I can't move past this. I feel like I just have to talk more about Claude Giroux because it's such a freaking awesome moment here tonight. This is um, probably going to be the moment that everyone looks back on uh, when they think about this season in the future. Like, everyone will probably also be thinking about all all the hype that we had going into the season and talking about, like, um, what was it, the summer of, of Pierre for Pierre Dorian, um, and the fact that we didn't exactly live up to that hype. But when you think of the actual season and how it played out, I think people will overall be happy with us getting pretty close to the playoffs. And this is going to be the main moment that people remember us. This, this was like the iconic moment for the season where we just got to, um, just got to celebrate. It was just, it was just so fun. So Giroud now with those three points is up to 78 on the season as well he's he's very close to point per game i guess um one more game i don't think he's gonna get four points to <laughs> to finish that off but that would be freaking amazing uh but he had his little production explosion tonight and kind of kind of just carrying the sends offense along with uh kachuk and stutzla they they got it started early uh after we killed the penalty um and i think this was a pretty terrible penalty call on zub uh, Kakinami was just completely holding him in the corner for a good 10 seconds, and then he ends up flipping him down to the ice in some sort of, like, wrestling move, and, uh, somewhere in there, Zub gave him a shot to the head, I think, but I couldn't exactly see it on the first replay, and I'd have to look at it again, uh, <laughs> and they only call Zub. I really don't know how that was the, the choice from the refs there, I don't know how that was the decision at all, I think, <laughs> I, again, I would have to see uh, what exactly Zub did again. So I'm not going to say that it should have been a Sens power play instead, but that seemed like a textbook uh, case to call both players. Um, so I was pretty frustrated with the call on that one, but the penalty kill was very good early on. The Hurricanes didn't really have much going uh, on that early chance, which is good because we, we don't like to see momentum from bad penalty calls. And the Sens actually got the momentum going their way shortly after with that great penalty kill and then the Giroud goal for... 999 points at that moment. Um, it was just great pass from Kachuk. Uh, they they were they were really looking for Giroud all night. There was a couple of chances later in the game where um, they were just trying to find him on the doorstep. So nice that they got one early and they didn't have to like keep trying to force it all night. You know, it just it just worked quickly to uh, to get Giroud his points and then they were able to play the rest of their game. That's Nice as well that they, they got the milestone out of the way early in the game because uh, if we were going the whole game and Giroud was sitting on 999 and they're desperately trying to feed him for 
for a thousand the whole time. It could maybe get in their heads a little bit, but uh, it didn't as we got the Stutzla goal uh, closer to the end of the period. That was just another another beautiful one. I kind of want to watch it again right now. I'm going <laughs> to... This was a really nice passing play between uh, Kachuk, Giroud, and then eventually to Stutzla. Yeah, Kachuk dropping it back to Giroud, and then Stutzla just came flying into the zone with speed. I'm just watching it again here. And just snipes on Freddie Anderson. He didn't have much of a chance on that one going across the crease. Um, and just, yeah, what a, what a great moment. I, I wish I was at this game. Uh, if, like I was saying about the home games this season, it's been pretty good. There's been a lot of fun games on home ice. Even, um, like, regardless of winning or losing, I don't feel like the Sens have had too many stinkers on home ice. Um, but this is going to be the one that uh, everyone who was at this game, this is going to instantly become, like, their favorite game that they attended all season just because of that awesome moment. And, uh, yeah, other than that, for the first period, um, I didn't have too many notes. Uh, like, we had a couple of defensive breakdowns. Uh, I think, it, I think it was before that Stutzla goal that they led to some shots for Carolina, but not really great scoring chances. And uh, this is one thing that I might as, well, might as well bring up now that the Sens were really good at tonight was limiting the high-danger scoring chances for the Hurricanes. The final stats for that ended up being nine high-danger chances for the Sens and only four allowed. The Hurricanes only uh, generated four high-danger scoring chances against. So even though we had... Some turnovers on our own end there and some like errors in coverage we we did it, it was good enough like it wasn't brutal enough that we were allowing like amazing scoring chances on Sogard in that first period there um and it was kind of a trend that continued throughout the game although Sogard did have his moments to shine later on and that's really what most of my notes for the second period ended up being was uh talking about Sogard and some of the great saves that he had. Um, very early in the period, he had a nice save on Burns. Uh, it was a shot from the point. He did well to track it, and then after he made the save, there was a bit of a rebound that didn't look great, but it was uh, it was bouncing around, went off his pad, off someone's skate, and that had potential to go in, but Sogard did a great job of tracking that rebound and just smothering it right away. So I like to see that from the young goalie, not... Uh, not getting beat by that deflection and, you know, losing where the puck is going. It was very good uh, positioning and tracking of the puck on that. And uh, he did have a little bit of an error later in the period. I think it was uh, shorthanded. I think the Sens were on the power play at the time. Uh, Sogard coming way out of his net. Uh, he had to, he had to play the puck, really, because the Carolina forechecker was coming towards him. But he, he whiffed on it. And Jordan Stahl had a fantastic scoring chance, but somehow Sogard was able to make the save. That was uh, one of the standout moments to me in this game as well. It was something that could have been like, could have been a dang it, could have been a one for the blooper reel, but Sogard managed to recover, and it was a really good save. I guess uh, I guess his size uh, helped him out there a lot because he's such a big guy with lanky limbs that uh, he was able to stretch across as uh, Stahl tried to go blocker side, I believe it was. So even though Sogard messed up a little bit there, credit to him for recovering. Um, and then he had a great save later on Jarvis. I think that was another scoring chance that was created by Ben, uh, ben I almost said Bent Burns. Uh, Brent Burns, who was fantastic tonight for the Hurricanes. Uh, he got that goal later too on just a bullet of a shot. But yeah, for, for the second period, I was just it was just Sogard 
was was my main my main guy there in the second period that's what i was focusing on and he uh i think he was really good all night tonight um then it, also in the second period we had the disallowed goal which i am getting so sick and tired of the offside challenges like last game against tampa the stutzel one it was pretty obvious but it also didn't really affect the play much because stutzel was in the act of picking up the puck and receiving the pass as he was just like offside by like a centimeter so it's obvious when you look at the replay but it's it's one that the refs can't catch in real time and it just sucks to see to see ones called back like that and this one is a little bit similar with clevin uh on the offside where he does a big stretch to try to stay onside didn't get the timing uh necessarily perfect and it was clearly offside but it just sucks to see those goals coming back like that um because it, it's like that zone entry i don't think really uh, affected the the goal it's not like that was the reason that the goal was scored and if Clevin had just uh <laughs> if he had like dislocated his groin and just stretched a little bit farther with his leg there uh then it would have been a good goal I guess and it's like it really doesn't make any difference so like I don't know what the solution here is but I'm getting real fed up with these offside challenges um it's, uh, it's just especially because Clevin, I would have loved for him to record the assist on that goal. He made a great pass, uh, finding Pinto at the back door, and I was very excited for that. I was like, I was, I was hyping him up, but uh, the damn offside challenge screwing us over again. Um, Jack in the chat saying, "Did anyone notice the guy who scored in the intermission game, uh, where he has to score from center ice, wore a Giroux jersey, fitting because Giroux hit 1,000 points? <laughs> that is very fitting. I like that." Uh, that uh, you got that little tidbit of information there. I wouldn't have seen that. Um, I I almost wonder if they gave him a Giroud jersey to wear to go out there just because it was uh, like the huge moment for Giroud. It was his night tonight, but could that could just be me uh, making something up completely because obviously I'm sure Giroud jerseys are very popular and for good reason. We love Claude Giroud. Um, yeah, and also in the second period there, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I think it was it was on the power play. There was a good chance that we had where Kachuk was trying to find Giroux again in front of the net. And I don't think the pass exactly got to Giroux's stick, but Kachuk, uh, it ended up being a shot on goal for Kachuk. It was a good save by Freddie Anderson to kind of, uh, it was almost, it was a save, but it was a pass by Kachuk. Like Freddie Anderson blocked the pass with his pad, which makes it a shot on goal for Kachuk which is funny because he was just trying to pass to Giroud, but uh, it would have been awesome if Giroud had uh, got the hat trick tonight. But this was uh, this moment was before he did get his other goal, so um, we won't complain too much. It was still an awesome night for Giroud. Um, Debrinket had a very nice steal at the blue line and got sort of a half breakaway because <laughs> he was kind of getting tied up after he stole the puck and slowed him down a bit. Uh, Frederick Anderson made a great glove save on that, so we had some... We had some other offense going there, but it was the chances were kind of few and far between. Like, as I said about the high danger scoring chances earlier, um, we limited Carolina very well, but also the uh, <laughs> the high danger chances for us being nine, it's not like amazing or anything, but it's not too bad either in the end. Uh, Pesci ends up sniping one on the four and four there. I still think Sogard was absolutely great tonight and I feel like maybe you can blame him on this one for going in but it was just a really nice shot I think I think I would cut him some slack on that one and uh on four and four 
allowing a guy to shoot off the rush like that like it's not the best defense but it's also it's a, it's a play where I don't think I look at the defense and think that they did anything particularly bad but it just wasn't great either so if uh, it just happened that Pesci was able to snipe that if he if Pesci shoots it wide or or shoots it like right at Sogard it's a it doesn't look too bad on the defense or anything like that um but yeah 2-1 at the end of the second period and then Brent Burns with just a absolute ripper at the start of the third period. Yeah, it was like two minutes, 20 seconds in. That that was another one where we allow a power play goal as our penalty kill has pretty much sucked lately. But um, again, I feel like the penalty kill was doing pretty good until that goal went in. It was just right as Burns took the shot, the bodies lined up in front of Sogard so that he couldn't see it. And then it was just a bullet. So I I don't think that... Sogard could be blamed on either of the goals tonight. I think he was very good overall. Um, which is funny because I was planning to talk about goaltending options for the offseason uh, in a few minutes here. <laughs> um, and I do wonder if some people might just be hoping that Sogard should be the backup for next year. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later, but if anyone has any opinions on that in the chat, let me know what you think. If you think that Sogard should be the backup next season, or if you'd prefer to see him uh, get some more seasoning time in the AHL, let me know if you have any opinions on that. Um, yeah, and then just further into the third period there, Sokolov had a nice uh, drive to the net where uh, Holden got the rebound, which was a really good save by Frederick Anderson again. I, I liked Sokolov on that shift, and that reminds me to check what his ice time was at this point, and oh, oh my god. So Sokolov played even less minutes tonight than he did in the previous three games. Five minutes and 52 seconds, um, which is along with Julian Goche, <laughs> five minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, and now that I see that, um, I have to complain about it because uh, both of them scored last game and both of them looked really good for all of last game. And then they just didn't even get any opportunity from the coach whatsoever today. And that that totally sucks. Like, there was a decent amount of special teams. Uh, Carolina had that five on three, uh, that sequence. And then we had the sort of like two minute, two and a half minute, three minute power play when there was that goalie interference call and the unsportsmanlike, uh, which pissed off Rod Brindamore, um, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Uh, but I, I'll get into that a little bit later. But like five power plays for the Hurricanes, six for the Sens. I, I didn't think we had six power plays. Now that I'm looking back at it, I didn't realize it was that many. Um, but I guess the, the nascent one, it, it gets, yeah, the nascent one, it counts as two, but it wasn't, we didn't play all of it on the, uh, on five on, on four, because it was four on four for a little bit. So that skews the stats a little bit, but, but yeah, we really just needed more ice time for Sokolov and Goche in this one. It's like the end of the season. I'm glad that we won, but we want to see these guys get more ice time, especially Sokolov. Everyone's super hyped after his first NHL goal last game, and you don't even give him six minutes of ice time in the next game. I think that's just incredibly lame. Despite that, he had two shots on goal in in, uh, in less than six minutes, so uh, it just sucks. It's like it's not like you can move him up to the top six. You're not going to take anyone out of there right now, but you can at least play him a little bit more, like get him on the second power play unit or something. Um, I think they briefly did that in 
the first game he played this season, he was on a little bit of second power play ice time, but not a lot. It's not like our second power play does see that much ice time usually, but they had more today, I think. Um, I just think it's incredibly lame of DJ Smith overall to to not play Sokolov more. So that's that's my one complaint for tonight because I really don't have that many complaints at all. But that's the one. Sokolov specifically and also Goche a little bit too uh, because I like him and he played really well against Tampa. So that's disappointing, but at least there was not much other disappointment tonight. Um, from there, Claude Giroux scores what ends up being the game-winning goal, which came from that call that I just mentioned on Stefan Nason that pissed off Rod Brindamore and it was very funny seeing him scream for like five minutes about it. I can kind of understand why he's a little bit angry. I guess he kept uh, he kept doing this. He kept going four four to the ref. I guess because the I guess the main thing he was pissed off about was that Nason got the second penalty for unsportsmanlike. But uh, I mean, they showed Nason clear as day screaming at the refs and like I think he banged his stick on the penalty box glass and uh, the refs don't take kindly to that so I'm not really surprised that Nason got a unsportsmanlike conduct and if the main issue was the original call as well like if if they're really mad about that too it, it seemed like pretty clear-cut goalie interference to me um and people have been posting the freeze frames and the, the slow moves on twitter of Sogard's mask just getting clipped right by Nason's butt so when you see the replay it's pretty obvious and even though it it was kind of like it wasn't a huge amount of contact Sogard is fully in the crease Nason clips him right at the top of the crease and the way that Sogard went down it's just something that's always going to get called and I say that not to say that Sogard dove but it's just when you get hit in the face unexpectedly like that you just get sideswept in the face it's not surprising to me that you would fall over so I think those calls were understandable from the refs. If you're a Carolina fan, I could also see why you would be frustrated with them too. Maybe thinking that the goal interference is a little bit borderline. Maybe you think that Sogard dove, even though I wouldn't agree with that. But I can see both sides. But I think Rod Brindaborn got a little bit too angry there. Especially because his team really still could have... Uh, could have won the game at that point. It's not like that totally screwed them over. I'll be curious to see if he says anything about it to the media in the post game. But anyway, just after those calls, Giroux gets the 1,001st point of his career with a beautiful backhander. Pinto and Branstrom pick up the assists. Just, just awesome stuff. It's nice that he got the 1,000th point and got to add to it as well. Uh, and then I just remembered we had one more power play after that, and he... There was a chance where he looked off Stutzla for a one-timer and just went for the shot, going for the hat trick. And I so wish that Giroud got the hat trick. If we if we got to have like a second celebration for him on the same night after already celebrating the thousand points, and then all oh, gonna throw the hats as well too. That would have just been absolutely amazing. But a three a nice little tidy three to two win. We'll take that. And Sogard as well coming up huge at the end of the game I've uh again I feel like most of my notes are about him today but he was just really good um Gostas Bear had two chances on the same shift with a few minutes left and Sogard stopped both of them the second one was a little bit sketchy it looked like it was maybe gonna leak through his five hole but it didn't um he managed to squeeze the legs and keep it out and then with like five seconds left there was that crazy fury in front of the net I think there were 
Hurricanes recorded like three shots in those five seconds. It was such chaos that I couldn't even really tell like how Sogard made the saves, but they all hit him. He he stood his ground. He he kept uh, solid positioning on that and managed to win the game. Managed to uh, come up big and get us the win. So love Sogard tonight. Love Kojiru tonight. Um, also very happy for Timmy Stutzla picking up two more points which gets him very close to 90 points. He is now at 88, so we definitely want Tim Stutzla to get at least two more points against Buffalo in the final game of the season and get him to that 90-point mark. That's like the one more thing uh, that I want for this season, ideally. Like, and he's on, okay, and he's on 38 goals, so if they, if he got two goals as his two points as well to get 40 goals, and then 50 assists for 90 points, that would just be such a beautiful stat line. 40, 50, 90, that's the dream right there. But even if he doesn't, awesome season for Tim Stutzla as well. So I think if I'm naming three stars for the game, Claude Giroux, obviously number one, Sogard, obviously number two. And then from the sense standpoint, I would have Stutzla as number three, although he did have a couple penalties as well. Stutzla or Sanderson, because Sanderson was solid as well as always. Um, but... Being unbiased, I would say Brent Burns' third star, because I thought he was by far Carolina's best player tonight, just uh, creating a lot of chances and scoring that huge goal on the power play. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking for tonight's game. I guess the one other thing that I forgot to mention was, oh, I got so excited when Zub got that breakaway, and he tried that same move that he scored on the Leafs with for, I, th I think it was his first NHL goal in that 6-5 uh, comeback game in in the Canadian division season, the infamous uh, Datanov game. Uh, that would have been so good with the fans chanting Zub as he's skating in on the breakaway. And if he pulled off that same move, it was a fantastic save by Freddie Anderson. Oh, that, that would have been so good, especially because in the home opener, uh, Zub scored a huge goal that ended up being the insurance marker to get the sense of the win. If Zub had <laughs> sent the fans home with the final goal of the season being another Zub goal, that would have just been awesome. But uh, we do have sort of a similar thing in that Giroux scored the very first goal in the home opener, first goal on home ice this season, and he scored the first game or the first goal in the final game on home ice this season and the last goal on home ice. So neat little things i don't know like that doesn't matter for anything but just funny little uh funny little coincidences there um couple chat comments again from jack uh to think the sens have six 20 plus goal scorers most in the nhl on one team three of them over 30 and two over 35 if norris can be healthy add to next year and uh, and sends stay healthy as a whole this team can be scary good i totally agree it's Ridiculous that we've had six 20 goal scorers without Norris playing at, at all. Like, it's it could be just an absolute boatload of goals for the Sens next season. Like, I I feel like obviously our defensive systems need to improve. However, if you have a full season with the guys that we, like with a full healthy decor with Chikrin being brought in and Branstrom being extended. The D will improve regardless, and we should be scoring more goals too with adding in Norris. So I think could be a lot of fun next year, and it was already quite a bit of fun this year too, uh, despite not making it all the way to the playoffs. Um, 
And Jack also saying Sokolov had his billet family from his time in junior hockey at the game. Oh my god. So yeah, I didn't know they were at the game. I, I've heard a lot about his, uh, his billet family and how close he is with them before. I didn't realize they were at the game today. So that totally blows for them to just only see him play six minutes. That's, uh, that's pretty rough. I know that coaches don't really factor that sort of thing into uh, coaching decisions. There's been other controversies around the league. I think it was some player on Minnesota, I think, who got scratched. Or maybe it was a team. No, it was like a Dallas player that was playing in Minnesota. He got scratched when he had uh, family coming to attend the game. And then I DJ also scratched uh, Matthew Joseph earlier this year when we were going to play against Pittsburgh. Um which, but apparently that was like a team discipline issue as well. So I guess coaches don't really factor those sort of things into how they uh, control their lineups. But that that really sucks. But I hope that Sokolov's billet team still or billet family <laughs> still had a great time at the game tonight. Um, Hamza noting that Stutzla is the youngest player in Sens history to get 50 assists. That sounds about right. Um, I wonder. I wonder how quickly Spezza did it into his career because. Spezza would have been getting the pretty high point totals pretty quickly too, but Stutzla beats him to it, which is pretty awesome. And uh, also noting that Kachuk now has 274 points before his 24th birthday, which is first in Sens history for points by a player before their 24th birthday, which totally awesome once again. Captain Brady repping his jersey right up here once again. Um awesome stuff it seems like these guys have the potential to be some of the greatest senators in history and it feels almost it, it almost feels like we're spoiled getting to watch them be this good at the beginning of their careers um and we have so much so much hockey ahead of us to see them play it's just really awesome uh because kachuk i guess would be i think five years left on his deal because he signed the seven-year deal at the beginning of last season i believe so five more years of Kachuk guaranteed and eight more years, eight more years of Stutzla guaranteed at what is already a steal of a contract. It's just super exciting times to be a Sens fan for sure. And um, that's about all I have to comment on for tonight's game. But I want to take a look at goaltending options for the Sens uh, in the offseason this year because... Even though, again, this is kind of awkward because even though I'm hyping up Sogard like crazy tonight and he was great, I am more leaning on the side of that I think he should start in the AHL next season. I It really wasn't the plan for the Sens to have him play this many games the, like at all this season. Like I'm sure they expected that like he would be the number one goalie call-up and maybe play 5-10 to 10 games with injury, but actually I will quickly check how many games he's at now because I think... It might even be like 20 games or something for him at this point. It's uh, 18 games, so... And, like, his stats were pretty good at the start, and then we had that Western road trip that bombed his stats, which wasn't really his fault, but he's been really up and down. But you can see the potential in his best games. So I do think that he is the goalie of the future for the Sens, but I don't... Like, I think we just need a stronger option for next year, kind of like how they brought in Talbot this year. What he was supposed to be was supposed to be splitting with uh, Forsberg, but it just didn't really work out that way that, uh, like, Talbot just didn't didn't really cut it. But he's obviously going to be gone, so I think they need uh, to bring in another Talbot, a guy to replace Talbot, and hopefully perform better than Talbot. So I wanted to take a look at the UFA goalie options 
just to talk a little bit about what's out there because to be honest I really have no idea what who would be the best option for the sense so I'm just gonna kind of like spitball a bunch of names here like sorting by UFA goalies with the most wins <laughs> you have Martin Jones at the top which really scares me because uh he sucks but somehow has an amazing record on the Kraken because they just score a boatload of goals He's he's got 27 wins with a three goals against average and an 886 save percentage. So like the win total scares me a little bit in that um, a GM could be fooled into just thinking like, okay, his stats weren't that good, but he wins games. Uh, so hopefully Jones is not on the Sens radar. Then next in wins, you have Tristan Jerry at 24. He's an interesting one for me because he's kind of been up and down. Like there's been years where he looks just totally elite for the penguins and there's been other other moments and other seasons where you're not so sure like i remember a playoff series against the islanders a couple years ago where he just was totally struggling yeah it was an 888 save percentage in six games against the islanders that season uh in 21 or 2021 but his regular season stats are actually uh pretty much always good like the, the reason this is an interesting one to me, though, is because the Penguins are are sitting right on the edge of playoff contention. They might make it in, they might not. And if they do make it in, they're probably just going to get steamrolled in the first round anyway. So it has me wondering if um, they go full rebuild, basically. Like, maybe not full rebuild because you probably don't want to be trading Crosby and Malkin and Latang, but maybe a retool of sorts. Maybe you decide to move on from Tristan Jerry as a UFA. Um, so I think he could be a decent option. Like, I think it's fairly likely that Pittsburgh looks elsewhere in the offseason because even though he's pretty good, he's 28 years old now. And if they do decide to retool, you don't really need to be signing him to, to a long-term contract. But who knows? I could be wrong. They could end up getting into the playoffs and uh, performing decently in, in the first round. And then maybe Jerry earns himself another contract from the Penguins management. But... He's he's on a 3.5 million cap hit right now for the expiring. And this is also interesting to me because I don't really think his stats are good enough that he should be getting a huge raise over that current cap hit, but also because the UFA goalie uh, market isn't that good. Like, he probably will get a raise anyway. And, like, if I could... If the Sens could sign Jerry for... Also, I don't know if it's Jerry or Jari, so if, I, if I'm flip-flopping on the pronunciation, uh, that's my bad. I'm not sure exactly on the pronunciation for him, but yeah, if the Sens could sign him at his, like, at his current cap hit or less, uh, I think that would be a very good option to be a tandem with Forsberg, but also um, if, he, if he requires a raise in free agency, like if the bidding war for him goes up high enough that he would be north of $4 million, that could, I think that would still be a good signing, but it would be much harder to fit into the salary cap structure of the Sens. Uh, I don't, I, I haven't totally looked at like the armchair GM stuff on Cap Friendly to see exactly uh, how much cap space we will have in the off, off season. But um, considering Debrinket needs to be signed, they might be looking at trying to extend Sanderson ahead of time as well. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little tricky. Like, we don't have a ton of money to spend on goalies, uh, which is a tough thing. Um, and then I guess as well, I should mention the Carolina goalies. I, I, I was going to start with them because we played Carolina tonight, but I, I blanked on it until now. Um, both of Carolina's goalies are UFAs, uh, Anderson and Ranta. 
And they're both getting up there in age. Anderson, 33 years old. Ranta, uh, 34. Um, so it's not guys that you need to sign to a long-term contract, which is good. And they, uh, they've been solid, solid tandem for the Hurricanes for the last few years now. So I think that if you could pick up either of those guys, that would, that could be a good option. And again, because of their age, I don't think they'll be too expensive. Freddie Anderson is a little, little bit of a weird one where his cap hit is 4.5 mil and his stats are down a little bit this season, only a 904 save percentage, but he still has a really good record, obviously, on the Hurricanes. He's one where I don't think that you'd be able to sign him for less than his current cap hit just because he was so good last year uh, with a 922 last season. If we could get him for similar cap hit, that would be interesting and maybe that would be something where you possibly move a little bit of other salary to fit him in. That could be very interesting, but anti-Ranta might be more of a uh, realistic option because he would be cheaper. He's got uh, the 18-3-4 record, which is insane. I didn't realize his record was that good. And the uh, 909 save percentage was actually a little bit higher than Frederick Anderson. Um, so that's nice to see. And he only has the $2 million cap hit. I don't think he would be getting a huge raise on that either. So I could see Antiranta being an option. And he's played against the Sens twice this season. He shut them out the first game and was very good in the previous game as well. So if if the current Sens management or pro scouting uh, stays around in any capacity, I could be I could see them being interested in, in Antiranta for sure. Um, Hamza noting that Tristan Jari is in the 16th percentile when facing high danger chances, which is pretty good. Um, also saying Pittsburgh fans don't like him, which is interesting. They, Yeah, I think I see opinions on Jari uh, flip-flopping all the time. So it, it, it's a weird one. I think, I think just because he's, he's a younger guy as a UFA, he's only 28, and he's been on a winning team, I think that he is going to get like a raise in UFA. But again, I think he'd be a decent option if we could get him around a similar cap hit to what he's currently making. Um, Ham's also saying Ranta's only issue is his rebound control. That's uh, that's something that I would have no knowledge on, especially because he's played so well against the Sens this season, and those are really the only games I've seen, but good to note, good to, to take into consideration. Um, after those guys, like, the UFA list is pretty rough. Um, Corpus Allo, I think, is a good option, but he's been really up and down in his career, and also if the Kings have good success in the playoffs, I think they'll be looking to re-sign him, especially with him only being on a $1.3 million cap hit right now. He'll get a raise, but probably not enough of a raise to be like a super expensive contract where they can't fit him in. And he's a little bit risky because obviously he's great this season. Last year was like an NHL worst save percentage of 877. <laughs> so it's like... He has a good year and then a bad year because he had uh, in 1920 he had a 911 save percentage and was a beast in the playoff bubble against Tampa, and then the next year dropped off to 894, had that 877 season and then he's back up to uh, a 917 this year. So he's kind of all over the place. Um, I think if he does make it to UFA, he's a guy that the Suns should consider just because I don't think he's going to be getting like a four million five million dollar contract because he's not necessarily a proven starter he, he had more limited minutes this season uh in getting those really good stats but that's a uh, uh 
I don't know. I like I I think the Kings will probably re-sign him, especially because uh like who else do they have in goal? Like Phoenix Copley has been pretty good, but it's not a guy that you want as your starter. And I don't think they have like great goalie prospects, or at least not that I'm aware of, although I'm no expert on the Kings prospect pool. And then yeah, like other than that, for UFA, like Reimer, no. Jonathan Quick, no. Uh, don't want any of these guys. Brian Elliott, no. Uh, Halak, he's not bad, but he's not a guy that you want to be splitting starts in a tandem. He's a guy, like, he's perfect as the guy, like, backing up Shesterkin and only playing, like, 20 games. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood could be a decent potential option, but he's really unproven. He just had the one, like, really good rookie season, and then he's struggled since, so... If the Sens need to go really cheap in goal, he could be a good option because he's definitely not getting a raise over his 2.8 million cap hit. You could probably get him for like 1 million or something. Uh, he's got a 10 and 6 record this year with a 899 save percentage, which is not too great considering the Devils have Devils are a 100 point team, so you would hope for at least above 900 there. And he's been injured a lot this season too, so that's one thing to consider as well. I think, uh, and as well with Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta, those injuries are a concern too. The only other UFA that I think looks even remotely interesting would be Semyon Varlamov. I, I wonder if maybe he still has a little bit of uh, quality hockey left in him. 35 years old, so again, you don't need to sign him to a huge contract. It would just be, he would probably just get a one or two year deal. And pr again, not going to be making a raise off of his current like $5 million cap hit. Still good stats this year and 913 save percentage in 23 games. It's just he's not going to play much more behind uh, Sorokin. So it probably doesn't, unless he would take like, a huge pay cut for the Islanders, it doesn't make too much sense for him to stay there and just sit behind Sorokin and not play as much anymore. He's not too far from removed from having an amazing season in uh, 2021 with uh, 36 games played, 929 save percentage that year. He doesn't, uh, yeah, it's not like he's a guy that you play like 60 games a year, but luckily that's not what the Sens need. They just need um, sort of a uh, like 40 games kind of guy. So I think Varlamov could be pretty good for that because he's still putting up good stats for the Islanders in that uh, split role. Although he was more he was more of just straight up the backup this season. Like last year it was more split, but he was just the backup this season. I think that could be a decent option as well. Um, yeah, and then Hamza also asking, would you trade for a goalie? <laughs> if Dorian is making the trade, I would say no, just because of how his previous goalie trade went. And I guess the, actually his previous two goalie trades, because he also traded for Matt Murray. I couldn't remember if that was a uh, free agent or not, but no, we, we gave up draft picks for Matt Murray as well. So don't like Dorian's track record of that, but if we have new management, uh, maybe they can go and make a trade for a goalie. I haven't really researched too many potential goalie trade targets. Um, just because... I don't know, like, most of the names that I hear... Like, the name I always hear is Thatcher Demko. And at this point, I don't think uh, he's going to be moved at all. There was rumors about that before the deadline. But now that uh, the Canucks have changed their coaching, and they brought him back from injury, he's been doing really well lately. So I don't see him being moved. If, if anyone in chat... Uh, has any ideas of goalie trade tar targets, uh, be sure to let me know because I haven't looked too much into that yet. And it's definitely it's definitely a possibility. I just think that that will be 
more difficult than than going to the ufa market and like i also have rfas shown on this list here on cap friendly um the top guys being samsonov obviously he's going to stay in toronto uh jeremy swayman that could be a kind of interesting option but i don't really know if he will be an option just because uh burns did so well and olmark has like a couple years left on his deal i think you really want swayman to hang around for just a little bit longer on a cheaper contract i bet that the vibes are so good in boston right now like in the dresser room in the dressing room um that you could convince jeremy swayman to stay on a one or two year deal on a pretty cheap contract even though he has like really good stats this season basically elite stats you could probably convince him to stay just long enough uh until Olmark's contract expires and then you give him the huge raise once Olmark is out of there so i would be very shocked if swayman ends up getting traded but if the Bruins cap situation is tight, maybe you see someone offer sheet Swayman, which could be really interesting. Um, we I don't know the offer sheet rules off the top of my head, so it would be maybe it would be difficult for the Sens to uh, make a big enough offer offer sheet on Swayman that would convince him and also not and would actually like fit into our cap structure too and not give up too many draft picks. So that's a tricky option. Um, and then, and then Philip Gustafson is, of course, on this list as an RFA. That'll be interesting to see what kind of contract Minnesota gives him uh, after this amazing season for him that we, we, we will not dwell on too much. Uh, we will try to forget that Philip Gustafson was ever property of the Ottawa Senators. Um, so, yeah, I think that about does it for... Uh, for what I'm for what I'm seeing for goalies here I think those are some of the potential options in UFA uh, if I had to if I had to pick who I would ideally want from this list I would say either Frederick Anderson or Corpus Allo, but I if I had to guess I would think that Corpus Allo gets re-signed by LA and also that Frederick Anderson he might get uh, he might have too high of a cap hit in terms of offers from other teams that the Sens might not be able to fit him into their cap structure so then from there, maybe Varlamov, maybe Ranta, but, and, and then Jari as well. Jari, well, we got Jari in there. So there, there's options, but it's just uh, a bunch of question marks in terms of what, if these teams will keep their goalies or not, because Jari might stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, Carolina, Carolina will probably keep one of their two guys, I should have mentioned, um, but they also have Kachetkov, which is the main reason that they will let go of at least one of them, I'm sure. So... That's kind of the thing I'm banking on is if Carolina lets go of one of their goalies, uh, hopefully the Sens could pick up one of them. And then, yeah, it's just who who knows? Who knows who will be available and where like where their cap hits will land? That's the, the real question for the Sens here in terms of the goaltending. They might have to look to the trade market in the end if these UFA options don't really uh, don't really end up working out for their cap situation. Um one last note from the chat, Hamza was asking, if the Sens get a top five pick, do you move down to get picks and use some of those to get Swayman? Oh, uh, that's a tough question because I'm, I bet that you could entice Boston with some pretty high picks um, in a deal like that. And it would really, like, if you got Swayman, that would just totally solve the goalie issue pretty much. Um, having a future tandem of Swayman and Sogard would just be amazing. But I think if the Sens somehow struck gold in the lottery and ended up with a top five pick, I would be very inclined to just pick a player 
there. Uh, I don't have an expert opinion on who they should pick if they happen to move up in the draft because uh, I've, I, I basically tried to ignore researching the draft as long as possible this year because I'm trying to be an optimist and be like, we're going to make the playoffs, we're going to make the playoffs. I don't want to uh, just abandon hope and uh, start looking towards the draft. So I don't know exactly who they should be picking if the Sens do get lucky in the lottery and move up, but it's supposed to be a stacked top of the draft. So I, I would probably lean towards picking a player. But yeah, that is... That is something that could happen. It could potentially end up uh, resulting in some trading chips to maybe solve the goalie option. That's it's an interesting thought there, but I won't get my hopes too much up on on lottery luck. I'm I'm hoping that we lit, we win the last game against Buffalo here, finish with 40 wins on the season, and uh, get as close as possible to the playoffs without being able to get in. I think that's a super successful season for the Sens. Um, and yeah, hopefully they finish things off on a high note against the Sabres on Thursday. Uh, me and Charlie will be back for that one to wrap things up for Game Over Ottawa this season. It will be the season finale. It, uh, it won't just be game over, but it will be season over at that point. So uh, we're going to do a really long show. Hopefully y'all can join us for that one. Should be a good night wrapping things up and, and looking back on the season as a whole. Uh, but that's going to be it for me tonight. Leave a like on the stream if you enjoyed. Subscribe to SDPN. And yeah, thank you everyone for watching and have a good night. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.